Welcome back to this week's episode of Checked Out, U92's premier hockey podcast. I'm your one host, Mason Deal, joined by the other co-host, Alex Silverman. Alex, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Mason. How about yourself? I uh, can't complain. Ready to get a whole uh, whole yap session going here for uh, just a couple of couple of different topics. I know. Uh, looking ahead, we got uh, we're going to be talking about the stadium series. We're going to be talking about whatever is going on in Columbus, uh, and I think a little little playoff preview, a little hot and cold teams. See how uh, things are shaping up, shaping up around the league. I think we got a good one in store. We got a good one. It'll be a quick one, but a good quick one. Yeah. Product quality content coming your way right right uh, unfortunately without our uh, co-host anisa today uh she's uh, currently up in pittsburgh uh getting some car repairs done so uh hope hope all is well with the uh with the anisa mobile the, the anisa mobile <laughs> i like it <laughs> anyways we're gonna go ahead and jump straight in to the uh 2024 stadium series recap uh in case those of you missed it it was the new jersey devils and philadelphia flyers playing in metlife stadium up there in jersey and the second game was the islanders versus rangers playing um where, where was their stadium series game? It was the same at MetLife. At MetLife? Okay. They, they did that once before. I want to say the year was 2014 in which it was Rangers-Devils and then Islanders-Rangers at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Except for some odd reason, they had the Rangers-Islanders game in the middle of the week and then the Devils-Rangers game was on a Sunday. And the reason they had that is because that year was the stadium. They also did stadium series in Anna or L.A., at the yeah. Dodger Stadium between Anaheim and the Kings. And that, that might have been my favorite stadium series one personally just because it was so unique, but they've never done it again. I can One can assume why. Right. And then another thing I'd like to say is that going back to this different stadium series with the Rangers, there's actually a clause in the Rangers lease at Madison Square Garden that says that the Rangers cannot be the home team if they play anywhere within a 30, I want to say 30 mile radius of New York City, I think that I know 100% like in the city limits, mm-hmm. they have to be the away team. And so in the 2018 Winter Classic, it was very interesting. They played the Buffalo Sabres at yeah. City Field where the New York Mets play, and they played the Sabres because the Sabres played in the inaugural Winter Classic in 08 against the Penguins. Yeah. You know, and Sidney Crosby, penalty shot, shootout. The greatest uh, greatest game and the greatest jerseys of all time. Uh, uh, I totally agree with the snow <laughs> coming down. Anyway, the Rangers were the away team, even though they played in New York City, which was five hours from Buffalo, and Buffalo was the home team because they didn't want to get sued by Madison Square Garden. Yeah, shout out James Dolan. Yeah, all uh, right. Enough talking about league. Legal stuff. Let's uh, let's get into a quick game recap here. And Mason, mm-hmm. quick start. Nico Hishier, he gets things started. Thirty-two seconds into the game. Yeah, that was nuts. I I was I I was like channel flipping trying to find the game. Uh, found it on TNT, and then like immediately after, they just went straight into it, and Nico got the goal. Thirty-two seconds in. Uh, just yeah, a hell of a start for the first period. Uh, 
Tyler Toffoli got his 22nd of the year also uh, off of Brendan Smith and Jack Hughes feed to make it 2-0 heading into the first. Uh, definitely kind of looked like the tides were turning, uh, especially later in going into the second there. Uh, Three-goal period by the Devils uh, who came in. And it was all within the span of like two minutes as well. Um, Philly made it a 2-1 game off of Owen Tippett goal. Uh, it was a, that was a crazy shot. I will give it to him. Yeah, it was a wrist shot from like the top of the hash marks, top of the circle. Hash marks is like a hockey term. Yeah, so yeah it's like yeah. top of the circle. There, there's no way the Devils goalie saw that thing. It was like, it's yeah, like a rocket. Yeah, and then immediately after, uh, or not immediately after, about like nine minutes later, uh, just a another tear by Jersey within uh, two minutes or actually a minute apart uh, a minute and like 10 seconds Brendan Smith got his second of the year and uh, Nathan Bastion got his fourth of the year to make it 4-1 Devils uh, they cl- another goal within like a three minute stretch there uh, Owen Tippett got his second point of the night uh, power play goal uh, to make it 4-2 heading into the third and then uh, third Another not lopsided Devils affair. Nico Heischer got his 18th of the year to make it 5-2. Uh, two minutes, 48 seconds into the period. Uh, Nick Sealer also got his first goal of the year, uh, nine minutes in to make it 5-3. Uh, and then Nathan Bastion got his second of the game on an empty net goal uh, to make seal it. Jersey win 6-3. Yeah, I would say it, obviously I'm a little upset the outcome as I'm a Flyers fan, but I would say that was a I was definitely one of the more exciting ones. I'd argue was more exciting than cracking Golden Knights. Right. But it's, the thing is, Mason, it's like a, you're flipping a coin. It's like you, it's, you're at the roulette. It's also like you're either flipping a coin or you're at the roulette wheel in Vegas. You have no idea what type of game you're going to get. You could get, like, the Canadians and Bruins Winter Classic at Gillette Stadium, if you remember that, when it was, like, 6-1 Montreal and half the place left. Yeah. Or you could get a game like the other stadium series game that we're going to talk about which I'd argue might have been the greatest stadium series game of all time, and I didn't even watch more than half of it because I had so much work. Yeah, I was going to say, this was uh, was a Sunday, the 18th, uh, Islanders-Rangers. I was traveling back to Morgantown. I went home for the weekend, so I wasn't able to watch this one. Uh, but I'm kind of upset that I didn't because this, uh, this is an absolute heater. Uh, first period was a four-goal four affair. Uh, the Rangers broke in first uh, with an Eric Gustafson goal, uh, his fifth of the year. And then Islanders just went on a tear there. Uh, three straight goals unanswered to end the period. Uh, Brock Nelson, Bo Horvat, and Matt Barzal in that order. Uh, coming on the power play as well for that Barzal goal. Uh, just absolutely debilitating, uh, you know, demeaning, kind of uh, soul-crushing for Rangers fans, especially it was uh, 7-18 and 7-32, or sorry, 34 into the period uh, that those uh, Islanders goals came. So it just kind of felt like uh, there was no hope to be had. And another thing is Noah Dobson. Have you heard of Noah Dobson before? Uh, I can see that he's got uh, his fifth, uh, 49th I point there. Say, and he's got it. He gets his 50 assists on the Barzell goal. That That's pretty good for this league. Like That's like yeah. McCarr numbers there for defensemen. Right. And then if we look at, you know, not just look at the box score, but we just look at the time that everything happened. Mm-hmm. You get the two quick Islander strikes. They're up 3-1. MetLife Stadium is rocking. And the Rangers, you know, there's, it's like no hope. We go into the second period. Anders Lee scores a minute into the period. Once again, a power play goal. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what happened, but someone just flips a switch and suddenly Vincent Trocek scores twice in the period. And yeah. suddenly it's 4-3 going into the third. 
Alex Romanov puts in his sixth. The Islanders go up too early in the period. And then the Rangers do what I feel like the Rangers always seem to do in clutch situations, and that is the highest compliment I can give the Rangers and their fans. Yeah, Chris Kreider, I mean, who else? Who else? He scores on the power play from Artemi Panarin, and once again, Vincent Trocek makes it a one-goal game at 15-52. At 18-31, so less than a minute, with a minute and 29 seconds remaining in regulation, Mika Zibanejad, who's having a down year, at least in the goals category, compared to his insane career year last year. Right. He scores to tie the game. That place goes absolutely crazy. And then when you want to talk about quick strikes, yeah. how about 10 seconds into overtime? Okay, I've only ever seen like 8 and 10 seconds in overtime a handful of times in the NHL, let alone an outdoor game. And then Artemi Panarin, I mean. Artemi Panarin, thoughts? he's doing Artemi yeah. Panarin things unassisted, took it himself to win the game 10 seconds in uh definitely i i'm liking this trend personally of like outdoor games being kind of barn burners because like like me personally as like a hockey sicko i loved the vegas seattle like you know like was it like 3-0 uh like a def- like a more defensive uh yeah. game to it i enjoy those kind of games but like i think the more casual fan like the average viewer i feel like they probably care more about you know the exciting like scoring goals and i think to have 11 goals in combined in the second game and nine in the first i think definitely made a couple of hockey fans uh from where there were not to begin uh, and I'm excited to see where the league goes forward in the outdoor games as well. I think it was announced next year. It's uh, the Red Wings taking on Columbus in Columbus uh, for the stadium series. I'm excited for that one. We might have to go. That's only a few hours. from. Here. I know that's only about three and a half hours from here. I, uh, I'm sure Tanner will have a lot to say, but mm-hmm. that leads us into our next topic. Yeah. Yarmo Kakalayan. See you later. He gets the boot from Columbus. Mm-hmm. Beyonce, you I'm surprised it wasn't sooner. I mean, I've heard that he's a nice guy. I, I think he's a professional. You know, like he does his job, but it's just a couple of poor decisions that have kind of spiraled. You had the whole Pierre Luc Dubois, John Tortorella saga. Oh boy, yeah, that was a mess. And once again, we refer to this individual usually as blank, blank, blank <laughs> because he's destroying the LA Kings right now. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have the whole thing with Mike. Babcock, which never made sense to begin with, why you would go after someone that was scrutinized for like years yeah. after he was basically forced to step down. And then if that's not enough, Patrick Line enters the assistance program. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I wanted to shout out is that I think it's great that this year that a lot more players are feeling comfortable to go into that program. Oh yeah. Because we all, you know, there's days when we get up and we don't feel good. But we we take for granted sometimes the difference between feeling a little off and playing a game like a la Matthew Kachuk with a broken sternum in the Stanley Cup. Right. So I just think it's great that, you know, that these guys are finally, you know, getting the help they need. And that that's not on Yarmo whatsoever. I just right. think the thing with Yarmo is that the Blue Jackets haven't made any strides to get any better. Mm-hmm. I mean, pa- Pascal Vincent. I mean, now it just seems like we're literally erasing and writing in coaches every single night. Yeah, I I don't know. When was it was when was the one that, where they get uh, the last playoff series was twenty twenty. Am I correct? The 2020 last twenty twenty one. Last time I believe the Blue Jackets were in the playoff series. What? 
were in the playoffs or won a playoff series? I think won a playoff series. Okay, that would be the 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning. They yeah. The ta- just for a little context, the Tampa Bay Lightning were combat- compatible to the Bruin- Boston Bruins' regular season record. They yeah. were very close to the record. I don't remember if they got it. They were clear favorites. They were going to win. The Columbus Blue Jackets... Swept them four to nothing. Yeah, Tanner was at the one game. I remember watching on TV. I was rooting. For, I always root for the underdog. Right. I went nuts. I just remember. I think it was Boone Jenner, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Mm-hmm. Blue Jackets scored 10 seconds in the game three or game four when it was in Columbus. Yeah. And just I thought there was like 40,000 people in that place that seats like 20. It was like right. really loud even on TV. I was like, I love this. And then unfortunately, you know, they didn't get past the second round, and that they. They kind of peaked at that point, and it never got back to that point. Mm-hmm. Another highlight, you know, as we're talking, because we, we want to make the Blue Jackets look good. We don't we don't like to make anyone look bad right. here at United 2. Right. Is that, I forget if it was the same season or if it was a year or two before, but the Blue Jackets had a, like a 10 or 12-game point or win streak. I want to say it was a win streak. It I was very it was, impressive. I think it was a year before, yeah. Because they were like smoking people left and right. And then the Capitals beat them 5 nothing or 5-1 in D.C. to end them. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like the Blue Jackets, you know, have had, they've had a little bit of success. I feel like they'd have more success if they kind of got, you know, the upper leadership, you know, like their Ducks in a row. Right. And by Ducks in a row, that's funny because the Anaheim Ducks don't seem to really do much except get high lottery picks. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, like— Having experienced Columbus hockey firsthand, I went I went to a game there uh, this season against the Ducks uh, back in like October, I think. Um, like the city of Columbus, I think deserves a good hockey team. Like I I can't say anything but high praises for the time that I had in Columbus, and that was even with that was the night they. Um, they had like a breaker issue and the arena lost power for several hours. The game it was supposed to be a seven o'clock puck drop. We got to Columbus maybe like 530 and puck drop did not happen until like 845. And I didn't and, it, and the game went to overtime too. the Ducks won, I think, uh, three to two in overtime. And I think I remember that game because I remember turning on the TV one night late at night and mm-hmm. there was like very few people in the stands in overtime. And I was like, you know, this is not preseason. It's regular season. Like, wait, what? Yeah. And then was- I looked it up and it's like, Break your like breaker issue shuts down nationwide arena and I was like of course Columbus yeah like come on guys but yeah it was just like for like circumstances like being considered it was such an awesome experience and uh, I got to sit like somewhat close to the cannon and that was really cool uh, definitely unique to the NHL I, like I don't think. I don't think anywhere anything has like anything of the sort, uh, you know, like a live cannon that goes off, at least in the NHL. I know like the Pirates uh, or not the Pirates, the um, Buccaneers have theirs in uh, Tampa for football. But like, you know, at least like the atmosphere, even being like half empty, I think, because like even like I think to judge Columbus by that game, at least was kind of like unfair on my part because you know it was like circumstances being considered but at least like the fans that were there like clearly cared they're clearly putting in an effort and like they like love you know the town of columbus and they love their team but like coaching after coaching error uh you know like 
the roster construction, like it's clear that they're trying to make the moves to be relevant. You know, they go and pay Johnny Gaudreau, uh, however much money he's making right now. I can't remember off the top of my head. You go and, you know, try, you get, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois, blank, blank, blank. You get him leads to nowhere. I mean, like you can't say that they're not trying, but it's just like every single move that they make just does not just seem to work out. And it's quite frustrating as a like a casual fan who like you know like obviously they're in the metro like i don't want to like sub, like root for them but like you know i i don't want to see them fail and it just it's it's rough to watch them from like a third party you know angle if we want to talk about a team that or excuse me a game that the casual fan would like how about this game from monday night and i was bored on monday and i watched some of this because it was president's day and the game was pretty early in the day at, it was like a 4 p.m mm-hmm. how about a 10-7 game yeah, that wa- the Wild and Canucks game. Not two. Yeah, the Wild and Canucks game. But three players get a hatch. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. That literally ties the score from the Ohio University Iowa State football game from September. <laughs> yeah. That um Yeah, that was nuts. I can't say that I expected that. And I can't say that it didn't hurt a little bit to realize that uh, Joel Erickson Eck was one of the uh, players who had a hat trick. And I had him on my bench this week or that day in fantasy. Yeah, it it sucks. But JT Miller also had a hat trick and he was starting. So, I mean, it kind of made up for it. And I ended up winning that week. So I'm not I'm not too hurt. But uh, that yeah, that was that was something I did not expect to check my phone and see. And that was even insane too, because it was the wild one, correct? Yeah, I was. I was gonna say I'm looking at the box score, and I remember from memory that the Canucks were in control. It was five two. Yeah, I went to get like a late lunch, and I came back, and it's like they just, nine seven, and the Wild are putting one in the empty. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? They just like Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin, the Wild GM, did he just like push a random button to like turn all the lights out in the Canucks locker room? That's like because it's like <laughs> they get the Wild get a late goal to make it a two goal game. They're about 30 seconds before the end of the second period, and there's a saying in hockey that late goals kill, and mm-hmm. that's the truth. Late goals and early guilt, or late goals and early goals kill. If you look at the end of the first period, the Wild scored once again a very late goal. Mm-hmm. Can, it didn't burn the Canucks though. However, Wild did the same in the second period, and look at what we have in the third period. 29 seconds in, the Wild score a goal. Yeah. A minute and 23, they have two. 19 seconds later, they have three. They have three goals in the first one minute and 44 seconds. Minute and 44 seconds. That sounded really awkward. Yeah. And then if you add the 33 seconds, you know, from the second period, that's four goals right there. And then they score another somewhat early goal at 448. And that's followed by another goal at 512. And I was thinking, as I looked through this stat sheet, I'm thinking to myself, like, what type of defense is this? Is it like, you know, you ever right. see like those foosball tables where it's like <laughs> if your friend wants you to win, he could just kind of like pull, pull yeah. the little, the little guys, Pull the goalie. Pull the goalie, <laughs> like literally pull him out of the way so you just put it in the empty net. Yeah. Like what, what were the Canucks doing? Because they score a goal about eight and a half minutes in. There's down two at this point. Besser scores to make it interesting with about two minutes left in the game. Interesting fact, Brock Besser's from minnesota yeah this is personal and then i like it two not one but two empty net goals by the wild to pad the stat sheet and to make it even more make more offense in the game and this is hilarious Kirill Kaprizov scores with two seconds left. Mason, I'm sure they really needed that goal, don't you think? Really emphatic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's yeah, it's crazy looking how the West is kind of shaken up. I, I like kind of like 
obviously I don't want to say it flipped the switch because a lot of these teams are trending down like as a whole for the month, but like I don't know. It's kind of getting it's kind of getting a little scary. Like the uh, Stars are on top of the Central right now. They've lost four in a row. Canucks also lost four in a row. Golden Knights just lost two in a row. It wouldn't surprise me what we don't see them skid a little bit. Uh, not not from like a you know a talent standpoint, but just because uh, Stone and Eichel just went on uh, IR and LTIR. You know, gotta love uh, some cap circumvention right before the trade deadline. Um, but a lot of these teams are you know kind of getting shaken up. It might see a little bit of a uh, little bit of a jump when it comes to the uh, the playoffs. I mean the Jets are they're they've won one in a row so at least they're they broke a streak but they were uh four five and one in their last 10 uh the abs four four and two uh really there's no like there's no team sticking out that's really like on a roll or like down in the dumps it's just kind of like a general you know like concern i guess about how the you know the wild cards are shaping up i mean the uh Kings are only two points behind the Oilers for uh, the, I believe, the wild card spot. Uh, actually, I think they're both they're both holding wild card spots right now, but they're getting closer and closer. The uh, Blues are like four points behind them. The you know Jets they were dominating the entire league for their like two months, and now they're sitting in the third wild card spot in the central or the the third playoff spot in the central, uh, seventy three points to the Avs uh, seventy five and the Stars seventy six. I mean you're seeing a real big shakeup, and then looking ahead to the East, uh, I mean the Leafs have fired off six in a row. They're doing pretty good. Rangers uh, nine in a row. Canes four in a row, uh, and they're just going. It's just going back and forth. They're finally getting into like the part of the year that kind of feels like a dogfight of everybody scrapping, and uh, it's definitely going to make it really interesting come trade deadline. So, all right, so let's move into our next segment of the show, Mason. We're going to play a little hot and cold. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you for a team from the east and the west that you think is hot and cold. We'll change this up a little bit because it is trade deadline time. Yeah. So we're going to say Stanley Cup contender. Or I'm pretender. I think's a little mean, a little harsh. So we'll say you know better luck next year. I think that's a little more yeah, a little I like more polish. So we'll do. I'll ask you for your Eastern Conference team mm -hmm. that you think is a contender, one that's kind of a disappointment, and then your Western Conference one that you think's a contender and they're a disappointment, and then we'll switch. So gotcha. Let's see what you say. I think I have a funny feeling. I know that you're a contender from the East, but I'll let you say it. I think it is the, uh, I mean, solely just going by, you know, the wind streaks here and, uh, you know, the, the vibes right now. I think it's going to be the Rangers, unfortunately, as much as it pains me to say they're, uh, they're like I said, they fired off their nine and one in their last 10 with nine straight wins. Igor Shosturkin since the all-star break is five and oh with, I think like, so, I saw the stats. I don't have it up in front of me. It was something ridiculous, like a nine, like a nine-five save percentage, and like less than two goals allowed in the last, you know, five starts. Uh, I mean, when you're playing off uh, goalie that hot, it's you know, especially with a team in front of him that is also firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they can do come playoff time. But uh, I mean, they're probably. They're one point behind the Bruins right now for the uh, top – or sorry, one point behind the Bruins and the Canucks for the President's Trophy race right now. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think they make it really entertaining. Uh, as for the uh, 
you know, the better luck next year's. Um, unfortunately, I think that it's it's going to be really rough for my Penguins to turn it around. Um, I I pity, but I do not envy Kyle Dubas working at the trade deadline. Um, I talked about it in length in several episodes, so I'm not going to go too into it. But um, they they need a lot of work done. And I don't know if it has to come this year and flip Gensel at the deadline as much as I don't as much as I don't want them to. Um, I've come I'm trying to come to terms with it that it is a possibility and it might very well happen. Um, but we we will see. I know Dubas said in a press conference there yesterday that it's he's going to take another two weeks, uh, two week deadline to see how it goes. Um, so we'll see. Um, as for the West, I think my contenders, I know they're kind of on a skid right now. I think it's still the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they went out and got Elias Lindholm. Uh, you know, they've lost four in a row, so it's not looking all too, too hot. Um, but I think that they're still, I think they're still the team to beat in the West. I can't see them getting any, you know, particularly weaker uh, moving forward, and then my pretenders or better luck next year's, I should say. Um, I mean, it's got to be the Yotes. Uh, they looked they looked so so good at the start of the year. I I even if you go and find it on my Twitter, I even said you know they're uh, I'm hopping on the Yotes wagon because they ripped off. They had like a they were in the wild card at one point earlier in the year, and they have lost eleven straight uh, since going back you know like a month and a half, and. Um, yeah, things aren't looking too hot in the desert. All right. Um, that was not what I thought you were going to pick for the East. So Really? My contender is the Florida Panthers. Yeah. I'd argue I think they're even stronger this year than last year. Oh, definitely. I mean, I last... Think for, go ahead. I'll say, like, I mean, last year at least, they, they... I think they were in the first wild card spot. Or no, second wild Second, second wild card spot. They pull off that whole thing. The Bruins, yeah. And then after they beat the Bruins, I was like, they're they're going to go pretty far. It just it just seems very likely, and they yeah. did. Yeah, I think it's just the year they finally put it together because uh, like they showed the flashes there last year. Obviously, getting the, the Cup final, but uh. yeah. And then for my better luck next year, it pains me to say this, but the Red Wings. Yeah. I was kind of on that bandwagon in the beginning. I have been slowly falling off. I feel like the wheels are like being hung on by like the mm. cheapest scotch tape you can find right now. <laughs> I mean, I think Steve Eiserman's a great GM. I like the idea of the Eiserman effect. I just think, unfortunately, it's going to take one more year. Mm-hmm. And time is also running out, even though everyone there is young before Steve Eiserman is out of there. Yeah. Going to the West, I personally think the West is more interesting and entertaining to watch this year. There's a lot of guys I could say. You said the Canucks, so that would be my pick, but I'm not going to copy you because we can talk the about another team. Yeah. I'm going to say that they've done it before, and that would be the Colorado Avalanche. I'd argue that this Colorado Avalanche team isn't as good as the one that won the Cup. No. But I do think they are better than last year. And I do think what the Avalanche have that the Vegas Golden Knights don't have is that the Colorado Avalanche know they know what it feels like to be at the bottom. They finished last in, like, 2014. They yeah. also know what it feels like to be at the top. And they know what it feels like in the heat of the playoffs. Vegas knows that, too. You know, their first, their inaugural season, I thought it was great. They went all the way to the Cup, and then they lost to Ovechkin 
second in the caps, which mm-hmm. me and you were probably upset with because no, yeah, one, neither bit. of us really care for the caps. That was that was a lose lose. I, I would it would have been nice to see Vegas win solely to get Flurry another cup, but that's really like the only like thoughts that I had on that finals. We, you could I'd argue that the Penguins wouldn't have both cups without Flurry. Oh, and this not. is coming from a, a Flyers fan, okay? Yeah, well at least you know the playoff push uh, at least in fifteen sixteen was kind of riding on the back of Matt Murray, but at least you know Flurry in the regular season. Uh, you know, I can't. Yeah. I can't fault. As for better luck next year, I'm really don't want to say this because I love them. They're one of my favorite teams. But the Calgary Flames. Yeah. If the Calgary Flames and the Blue Jackets collab for how to have the worst management in hockey, <laughs> I feel like it would be a mix between like a Family Guy and kind of like a Saturday Night Live, you know, like stand up comedy kind of show. I would watch it. I think it would be better than like the Road to the Winter Classic. It would be like. How to lose an NHL season and franchise in ten minutes? Would you watch that, Mason? Yeah, I think yeah, a rom com between the (laughs) like a like a how to lose a guys and how to lose a guy in ten days, except it's like no romance, all comedy. Kind, it's like a like a tragedy almost, (laughs) like a like an old Shakespeare play. Yeah, yeah, the Romeo and Juliet of NHL, starring (laughs) Jarmo Kekalainen, and the Calgary Flames have had three GMs in like the last thirteen months. So insert name and then blank. Yeah, but special uh, feature by blank blank blank. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's nuts. But unfortunately, we are out of time, and at the same time, I feel like next week is going to be a bigger episode because mm-hmm. next week is going to be one week out from the trade deadline. Yeah, and I feel like we still have a decent number of big names. I will not name names because I know a couple of them will make you upset, and there's a chance that by the time yeah we speak next, that one of these players gets moved. I'll just say this. I think this will be one of the more interesting trade deadlines because looking at the standings, this year they're a lot closer in the playoff race mm-hmm. where the wild card, at least in the East, the wild card is pretty there for the Metro. Yeah. I, so mean, the, it's, it's, I think it's there for the West too. It's just there. I mean, to I, a little, I, little I, bit of a lesser degree. I think the I personally think the West is the stronger conference this year and that I feel like the, if there's going to be an upset, it's going to happen in the West that that's going to have the movement. But I'm excited to see what happens. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'll say parting words for the episode. Um, Kyle Dubas, if you're listening, please, 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 please trade Ryan Graves and Riley Smith instead of Jake Gensel. I don't care how it needs to happen. Just do not let my Jake shakes go uh, into into the void there. Yeah, um, right. I don't be honest with you. I'm kind of surprised. Riley Smith was huge in Vegas, and he he just didn't work out in Pittsburgh. But yeah. then again, I've seen a lot of guys that were big on one team and just not work out to the extent it, it could be the system, it could be the coaching, it could be a lot of things. I guess if I had a couple of final parting words, it would be the Flames. At this point, we know you're selling. You've sold Elias Lidholm. Mm-hmm. Trade Noah Hannafin because he's obviously going to walk. He flat out said on Instagram he's going to walk, and if you don't need him to say that, you know, like, what else do you need? And let's actually attempt to use – we have the number one rated prospect pool in the NHL, Yeah, and that's hard to do. Why don't we actually train some of those guys and attempt to use it and be competitive in the next couple of years? That's my parting words. Anything else, Mason? Nope. Uh, I was going to say, yep, that's another good episode of Checked Out. Uh, Be sure to find us wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, And don't forget to listen to United to the Moose, 91.7 FM, unitedtothemoose.com. This has been Checked Out with your hosts, Mason Deal and Alex Silverman. Uh, See you next week, folks.